We interrupt the latest Blood Red podcast to bring you a quick message from our sponsors. And today we're partnering up with LFC themselves to bring you their new fashion collection. There are hundreds of new fashion products for men, women and kids. They're all exclusive to the club and you won't find these products anywhere else. Designed in Liverpool and suitable for any match or any occasion. For men, the stylish hoodies, smart t-shirts and polos and jackets, as well as comfortable casual wear with hoodies and loungewear. And for women, there's a range of t-shirts and jackets in key autumn colours of grey and burgundy. There's black, grey and neon active wear with a mix and match outfits. And for kids, there's fun, stylish tracksuits, tees, hoodies and jackets and much more. And if you want to see any of the new gear, head over to the official website where Liverpool have got some of their biggest stars on modelling duty. You've got the likes of Virgil van Dijk, you've got Mo Salah and even new signing Alisson all wearing the new fashion range. It's the new Liverpool fashion collection and it's available at all official Liverpool stores, including the stores at Anfield, Liverpool One and Williamson Square and online at liverpoolfc.com slash store. That's liverpoolfc.com slash store. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. He is at home and if he's got any sense, he'll be in bed still, given how long it took us to get back from Crystal Palace last night. However, joining me is Christian Walsh. Hi, Christian. Hello, Ian. Also, Joe Rimmer. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Ian. And also Dan Kay. Hi, Daniel. Hello, Ian. How you, you have... Dan? Sorry, what? How are you doing? Uh, all the better for seeing you. That's very nice. Christian, you're going to say something. You have my utmost sympathy going to Crystal Palace. The drive down there is probably the worst one in the Premier League. Well, Brutal. you say that, but it took about five and a half hours. Most of the time, we were stuck in the roadworks around Stoke, but we, we insanely drove straight through the hen- centre of London rather than go around the M25, and it was... Uh, it was. It made a positive difference to our day. Bold. They've been doing those roadworks around Stoke they've for the last twenty years. Well, they've got two more lots now. Oh, they're just finishing the main one, and now it's like, yeah. oh, we'll just put some more on. Yeah. So it's it's not great, but it was worth the trip in the end. Liverpool, Joe won two yes, nil. Yeah. I know you were watching it in the office. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you make of the performance? Because Jurgen Klopp spoke afterwards. He said, you know, defensively we were we were good, but you know he wasn't very happy with the way that they played in an attacking sense, and uh, they still managed to eke out a victory at a ground where you know. Okay, they've won the last five there, but this is a ground where, for that level of performance and Palace early in the season and up for it, it was never going to be easy, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, I think Klopp said it was a big step, and I'd agree with him. I, I was impressed that despite Palace putting on the pressure, and there was a couple of balls across the face of goal, for example, I think Zaha put one in late on, there wasn't any real heart and mouth moments, I don't think, uh, for Liverpool. I think they defended very, very well. I think um, Van Dijk was absolutely outstanding alongside them Joe Gomez excellent the two fullbacks I know Klopp picked them out for perhaps not doing so well going forward but I thought they defended very well uh, especially up against Sahar so yeah I thought it was a thoroughly professional and very good performance from Liverpool and it's the sort of performance that they need to do if they want a challenge for the title you know you're going to need a handful of them a season because you're not going to dominate games away from home especially sides like Crystal Palace I mean let's deal with this straight away then Christian penalty Mamadou Sacco and his and his interesting legs. <laughs> Telescope uh, he, he, legs. He, has, he puts a searching one out for Mohamed Salah just before half time. Has another go. Salah goes over. Penalty is given. Michael Oliver gives the decision. The fans are not happy. What did you think? I mean, I must admit, my first reaction was it's a penalty. Saw the replay and went, it's a penalty. But Roy Hodgson wasn't very happy afterwards. He was very angry. And he said that, you know, what did he say? Something like, uh, that I can never accept that that will be a penalty. And that uh, if everybody else says it's a penalty, I'll be the pariah that will forever say it's not. He says his team wouldn't want them. 
Yeah, like he said. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he said he wouldn't want penalties <laughs> like that, which is interesting because normally they get penalties for players just falling over with no one anywhere near them. Well, that's Wolf Zahard, isn't it? Yes, it is. He was a very good player, by the way. But yeah, yeah it's it's. It was 100% a penalty. Why no, was it 100% a penalty? Okay, 95% a no, penalty. No, no, what? no. No, hang on, you're backtracking now. I mean, I, I, I think... You're making me doubt myself, so you're like 68% a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I think 100% it was a penalty. He's taken two swipes. Because Sack, yeah, exactly. He's had two goals. If you did the first one, and then it's like, oh, you know, you can, sometimes that does happen. Not every contact in the area is a penalty. But then the second one, Salah just goes, well, bye. But I also think Salah falls down quite naturally. It's almost like if you stub your toe on, on a on a you know loose paving slab. <laughs> you know, you go down. <laughs> <laughs> I go down. I, 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 I feel that contact, I and I go I down. Can, I can tell you one person who would definitely go down. That's James Pierce. Yeah, with a little bit of a appealing. Ah! It's it's a, effect, yeah. But yeah, he's he's clearly been he's he's clearly been fouled there by Sacco because as you say, he's he's put the leg out. He's had he sent the feelers out. Salah's tries to, you know, he had, if he wanted to go down, he would have gone down first time, and you know, ultimately he went down second time. The other thing as well, if he has sort of gone down a little bit easily, well, Salah spent the whole of last season getting kicked in the penalty area and getting absolutely nothing mm-hmm. from the referees. So he did go down against Chelsea quite easily towards the end of last he season. Got that, he got yeah, booked, yeah, yeah. and and Klopp wasn't too happy with him. But I think. You know, not to you. You know, not to deify Mohamed Salah. You know, we've we've done enough of that. But I don't think he, he isn't the type of player who routinely will will go to the ground. I don't think he needed to go to the ground because the opening was 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 shaping up there for him. And I just feel like Liverpool got so few penalties in the Premier League last season, which is bizarre for a team that obviously spends so much time in the opposition box, but. It's bound to even itself out, and this might be just reverting to the mean. So, if Liverpool are going to get a couple of more penalties of that ill class of this season, then all it's doing is really redressing the balance from last season. I mean, they got three penalties in the Premier League last season, Dan. I mean, was this one absolutely in, in my book? And, and the, the thing that a lot of people seem to be missing, as far as I'm concerned, is that people have made the point, oh, he could have stayed on his feet, and you know, but that that may well be the case. But how often do you see an incident where? A challenge has come in, like Sacco's, where he's, he's he hasn't got the ball, he has taken the man. All right, it might not be enough to kind of bash him to the floor, but it's been enough to to halt his momentum, halt his progress. Now, look, watching the analysis last night, Jamie Carragher made this point very well. I think we've seen lots of incidents: Robert Perez, Jamie Vardy going in the, going down the years, where you can you can see that the attacker has like put his has almost instigated the contact himself. When you're watching it back, it's, Salah is literally pulling his foot back to shoot. When the, when the contact comes in. Now, as, as soon as that contact comes in, it knocks him off balance. So he could, yeah, he could still have possibly got his shot in, but it, the, the, his ability to take the shot properly has been compromised by the foul. Now, I've been saying for a long time, until referees start giving these challenges, when players have tried to stay... It, it, basically, if he hadn't have gone down, we'd have been all be saying, probably should have been a penalty that. And he, not just Liverpool fans, neutrals would have been saying, if he'd gone down... Though, He's he been too honest. Exactly. Um, the... I've been saying for a long time, until referees start giving fouls and penalties and free kicks, when a foul's happened, a player has tried to do the right thing and stay on his feet, but has not been rewarded for that. It basically creates a charter for divers. You're basically saying you're only you're only going to get this if you go to ground. So Roy Hodgson and others can moan and groan as much as they like. It was nailed on penalty. And you know, if, if it was the other way around, I'd say the same, even if obviously I wouldn't be quite as pleased about it. Joe, do you agree? Penalty? Yeah, I think it was a penalty. What I found hilarious is Hodgson's reaction 
I wouldn't want penalties like them. And then, and then in the same breath, he says, Max "Oh, we should yeah. have had one later in the game." <laughs> I don't, I even, I don't even remember. No, that. I don't that think was, there was that, any contact yeah. at all. That was right in front so of where we were sat, so we didn't even give it a second thought, to be honest. Was this the Wine Alden one? No, no, it was no, a no, Van Dyke. No, 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 it was Max Meyer when he went to go. I think was when he was going for the low cross. Yeah, it's crossing from the left hand side. I think that was from Zahar. The one, you know, the one decent ball that they put in towards the end, and Meyer went right across the face of the goal. Hodgson there. Look, when it comes to football, we're all hypocrites, aren't we? If we were sitting here and and perhaps the, the shoe was on the other foot and Palace had been given that penalty, I'd probably be sitting here going, man, it was soft, wasn't it? And, and, you ah, know, like and you, but, before you but, go any further, but, you go 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 that, I'd like to pick up on that because of the person it was that was making the challenge. It was Saka that was doing yeah. it. Now, I know you're a big fan of I, I, I was I, I was, was a big, was big fan. Obviously, Dan, Dan was as well. But... <laughs> <laughs> that challenge was absolutely trademark Sacco, it, it was it? peak Sacco, he'd already it? he had one instant early on where he was put into a load of trouble which wasn't his fault and just about got away with it there was a second one where he passed it straight to Cater and he got yeah, away with yeah. that but then he, he was always he's always looking as though he could be making a mistake and I know what you were going to say about if, if it was on Liverpool's you know boots on the other foot Liverpool fans would be saying it's not penalty what would you have done if it was at the other end Lovren was playing and he'd have done that. Loads of Liverpool fans would have absolutely slaughtered Lovren for doing De- something definitely stupid. They, doing they something stupid, which is exactly what's already but happened last season with the Calvert-Lewin penalty. All right. Well, or you go back to last season and think about the Van Dijk penalty on uh, Tottenham against Tottenham in the last minute, and and I thought that that was very soft. You know, for me, there wasn't really a great g- deal of contact, and and um, I can't remember who it was Lamella. It was Lamella, Lamella yeah. threw himself down. I thought, oh, you know, like if you can't make any contact nowadays, how how can you play football? But but at the same time, you know, the defender needs to make sure he cha- make times his challenge correctly. Uh, so yeah, so I, we're all a, we're all a bit like hypocrites, aren't we, when it comes to stuff like this? But Roy Hodgson annoyed me because he, he to stand there and go, I'll be the man who will say always say that isn't a penalty. We'll wait till next later in the season when Palace get a bit of a dodgy one, and I bet you won't be standing there saying, oh, that wasn't a penalty. He, he, every manager does it, and it. it, it Never fails to frustrate me. There were no arguments, I don't think, with the red card. Certainly, Roy Hodgson wasn't, couldn't argue against that. However, Mohamed Salah, you know, played the game. We've just mentioned him there. He, I don't think he particularly had a good game in terms of his actual his sharpness or his, you know, what he did on the ball. But when you sat down, and went, okay, what's he done here? He won the penalty, set up the second goal for Mane, got the player sent. Well, didn't get the player sent up. It was because of him that the player was sent Induced off. Yeah, and then. There was the chance that when Cater put him in, could easily have scored, and and he forced two good saves out of the goalkeeper. And so you got Jurgen Klopp after the game saying he didn't think the offensively Liverpool had the right rhythm or you know they weren't as good, but they still managed to do all of this. I mean I don't even think against West Ham they played particularly well going forward, and they still managed to score four. They still they still created uh, you know was it four clear cut clear cut yeah, chances? Andrew Beasley, our new uh, Echo columnist, you know stats guru, he said that uh, the you know. He created four ch- clear-cut chances, which was, you know, in, in context, you know, very rarely does does a team do that, especially to a, to a Crystal Palace side, the Selhurst Park. So, I think it's just the, I think it might be Klopp's way of, uh, you know, dealing with the expectations and, and making sure nobody rests on the laurels. But I think what it also shows is that I think we're going to see a slightly different Mohamed Salah this season, not necessarily the way he plays, but. In terms of expectation, because look, he's not going to score forty-four goals. I, I really Probably. can't see that happening. Probably, <clears throat> but you've got 
Sadio Mane, who looks like he could be ready to step up a level. I didn't think Mane, for this, we have a full Salah was better than Mane, you know, but obviously Mane got the goal. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know you were a big fan of Mane, but I, I, I just didn't feel yeah, like. I feel like he was the one that was yeah, taking the game. Mane so faded a bit, but then he got the, the way that he took that second goal was. Oh, it was brilliant! But I'm, I'm just saying that aside, I thought Salah looked more of a threat than the Mane throughout most of the ninety minutes. I think you've got Keita now, who is an obvious attacking option. I think he'd be better, even better, when he's playing a little bit deeper and he's got more space to run into. I think it's restricting him a little, being so high up the pitch at the moment. But he's obviously another another player have, you got they, uh, have they allowed Andros Townsend back in the ground by the way <laughs> as, as I said he, he didn't send them for an echo he got, he got, he got him a yearly digital <laughs> subscription um, so you know I think there are more threats now from Liverpool I think players are there are more threats who've arrived I think you'll see that with Shaqiri as well I think there are uh, players who are going to step up a level like Mane hopefully for me you know once he sort of gets you know this little source of because he always starts yeah. slowly uh, Mane um, for me you know and what it means is that there's not going to be the not that they relied on Salah, but inevitably he was the guy that everybody turned to. He was the guy who took the game by the scruff of the neck. I think Liverpool, the idea is that it's not just going to be Salah who does that. Now they're going to have two, three, four, five players who are capable of doing that. I mean, are we in any way concerned with Firmino? You mentioned him then, or is this just a matter of the whole World Cup thing? I think he's playing a different position for a start. I think he's, he's dropping deeper. Deep. Yeah, I think the idea is that he drops deep, and Salah and Mane are. You know, he is ultimately the false nine. The, you mm. know, the, the 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 archetypal, which you I mentioned it again. Yeah, yeah there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's also the false nine, where you know he drops deep, and that creates the space for the two wide players. I use wide very loosely because obviously mm. they come inside to move into that space. I think also it might be a recognition that Firmino has only just come back from the World Cup, and to do that role, he probably exerts a little less physicality and a little less. You know, it. it, it I think he's looking at the long game here with Firmino. Don't tire him out at the start of August. Make him play a bit more of a restricted role up front rather than the all-action Firmino we, we used to see at the, at the end of last season. And you know, just make sure that he's he's going to last the distance because they're going to need him up until May. I mean, I don't think Firmino playing against Brighton at the weekend. That's I don't. My, that's just my my thought. I think I think there'd be a strong case to say that um, you know, with, with Liverpool now, you have a squad with excellent depth in it. We're going to have a lot of games coming thick and fast as, as late summer draws into autumn. And you want to make sure that everybody's at the top of the game and has some some football, some minutes, some goals and some form under the belt to do that. But I, I still thought you know, Firmino had a, you know, a reasonably effective game. His, his hold-up play, his link-up play was as, as slick and assured as what we would normally expect. And even towards the end, he very near, you know, the last five, ten minutes, he nearly got on the end of one and... I think it was blocked out by the goalkeeper, and then he kind of he went down for a minute, and I think it was mm. a cramp in the end. But you know, they, they were still very much the last man there, almost getting him in, in, into the six-yard box to score. So he's always going to be a threat for Liverpool. But Christian's right; the manager has to make sure that because of the, the way he plays and how it fundamentally important, how fundamentally important he is to Liverpool's system, they don't burn him out too too quick. Now Liverpool have somebody worked out before the game basically got the best defence in the Premier League since they got beat 4-1 at Tottenham last October and obviously part of that is down to Virgil van Dijk we'll come on to him in a minute but this was the first real test for £65 million man um, Alison Joe what did you make of him? It's funny this because we, we had a conversation Christy and I before and I can't this, believe this, you're about yeah, to I'm say this say it, I, I'm not sold still I'm really? not sold I, I, I thought last what, night on, on the basis of what given the fact that well, given the I'm fact not, that he, he made 
one very well one good save he made a lot of decent saves he held on to everything that he needed to obviously distribution was very good and he came for the corners that he could because afterwards Klopp kind of suggested that he was blocked off for the majority of the corners so he, he didn't even you know try to, to come for them and they left the defenders to it look I'm not saying he didn't play well I just don't think that I don't think it was an exceptional performance by any means I don't think he, he was actually you talk about good saves well the free kick for me if he didn't doesn't save that we're all sitting here today going, how in the, the world did not say that? Ben Take had was, was better, yeah. and, and I, I won't deny particularly that. with the man in front of him. Yeah, particularly yeah. with the man in front of him. But I, I wouldn't say it was a world-class exceptional save. It was no. just a save that, again, you expect him to make. Uh, you know, he, he caught a couple of corners, fine. I don't, I don't think he caught any under extreme pressure. And he did come out for one punch, and he didn't get enough purchase on it, really. And, and he ends up getting a free kick um, for a foul anyway. But look at... I'm not. I'm not sitting here and saying that he's a bad goalkeeper by any means, and I'm not sitting here and say, I'm writing him off. All I'm saying is that to me, we still haven't seen him totally tested, and it's going to take a little while before I'm totally convinced. And, and maybe that's just because, look, I've been hurt before, <laughs> and you know my weak heart can't take that many. You know, th- th- watching goalkeepers and, and buying completely into it and, and seeing him make any more mistakes. So I just want to give it a bit of time. Give what? it ten games, fifteen games. What does he have to do then? Continue playing well and, and making saves and, and catching crosses and just being steady one thing that does put the absolute fear of God into me was when they when they play the ball back to him he weirdly doesn't shape to kick it have you noticed that he stands very straight and almost as if like he's not expecting the ball to come back to him and at the last moment he just casually sort of rolls it out in a different direction or chips it and his, his passing is very good especially his, his sort of like middle passing you know not as totally long passing because he doesn't do that middle distance but middle distance is is very very good but um but yeah i just think let's not get carried away and let's not sit here and go wow what a performance that was last night it was a good performance but it was just it was just what you want from your goalkeeper i think i mean joe talks about having been burned before and i think possibly (laughs) the kind of like this is like some kind of therapy (laughs) session (laughs) well didn't you you need it after the summer (laughs) i think liverpool supporters of the last 15 to 20 years we've all been burned by goalkeepers i think that's why everybody's so desperate to see a goalkeeper in for liverpool looking assured i mean the word that struck me more than anything else about last night was this is a team now with spine you know you you look down the middle of the team alison van dyke Cater in the middle, Henderson, whoever, and, and, and the lads up front. But also as well, when you talk about, well, the, the obviously the, the, the opposite to it is, is when a team is spineless. And unfortunately, we have seen too many of those kind of performances, particularly defensively, from Liverpool at times to times over the last few years. What Alisson gave to, to me more than anything else last night was just that kind of that sense of assuredness. Um, now, it doesn't mean to say, you know, he, he will make mistakes as a human being. Yeah, Football course, yeah. is a game riddled with errors. And particularly by the nature of his, posi- his position, at some point in his time, he's going to cost his goals and we're all going to go, well, that wasn't very good, was it? But I think possibly the reason why people were so enthused by that kind of, by the solidity element to Liverpool's performance last night is because of the recent history. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, even I don't know if that necessarily contradicts what Joe said, but you, you know, you can, you can use the same thing to make different points sometimes, and I think that's what I'm trying to do there. I mean, no disrespect to any of us present here, but I spoke to my dad this morning, and he said it looks like Liverpool have signed a goalkeeper because yeah. he looks like a goalkeeper, and I think we all know what he's the point he's trying to make there. And sometimes you can just tell from somebody's presence that's kind of idea or suggestion that you'd never really got from we've done this before from Loris Carius and from, from Mignolet if we're being honest mm. authority, they, they, yeah, they never look like they have that air of authority whereas you he instantly looks as though he does whether it's 
as we mentioned before, due to his size, due to the you know his mannerisms, just the way that he is. Can we get Ian Doyle's dad on for a podcast? No. No. <laughs> Can we get him to host <laughs> one? Can we get Ian Doyle's dad and his brother and have an Ian Doyle family podcast? I, I probably wouldn't recommend that because half of it would be spent telling me, Dad, do you, you know, stop calling me Jamie kind of thing, you know. Jamie? Okay. Well, that's his brother. brother's name. So oh, he just always gets us mixed up. He is, he is 78, to be fair. Anyway. Your brother? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're old. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, it's... Uh, I think the thing about Allison is you you talk about the free kick from the, the the midfielder whose name I cannot pronounce, and it's it's one of those where the number four, the number four, yeah, <laughs> Luca, and if he if he lets that in, if he, if, that, if that's a conceded goal, I think everybody's shocked. Whereas if that would have crept in under you know Carrius or Mignolet, I don't think people would have gone they done poor then, but people would also shrug and go, you know, what do you expect? I think. If 90% of goalkeepers in the Premier League save that. Spartak Moscow away, carries. Only Peter Schmeichel doesn't say that. There's one. That, that was yeah. poor, yeah. I, I just think what my point is, if, if Alisson makes a mistake, I think it will be, uh, whoa, he's made the mistake. Whereas for so long at Liverpool, even going back towards maybe you know Pepe Reina's last couple of years, mm. if a Liverpool goalkeeper makes a mistake, you shrug your shoulders and go, well, that's, that's, that's par for the course, isn't it? Is what working in... What's maybe worked a little bit in Alisson's favour is the fact that with Carrius, absolutely nobody had ever seen him play, for being honest. No one had really seen him play. Nobody knew what to expect. With Mignolet, everybody had seen him play for Sunderland and conceded a ton of goals, but sorry, make some good saves. So everyone was like, hmm. But with Alisson, I think people, OK, there was the game against, Liverpool's game against Roma in the Champions League, but Liverpool did that to almost every team last season. They've seen him in the World Cup and they've, they've seen him and watched him and gone, he looks quite decent here. And, he, and he's at a high level and he's playing for a, a, a good team. I think so. And I think, you know, Roma, as you say, far more coverage of them than Mainz. I think even in the social media age now, I think we've seen far more clips of of Alisson doing the rounds, far more compilations. And of course, those compilations never throw in the, the, the mistakes. But that's because, to be fair to him, there aren't that many mistakes. You, you look at the numbers in terms of mistakes leading to a goal and it was a big fat zero last season. Loris Carius, it felt like when he signed, you know, all the all the Twitter heads were were, were showing us that so. one that one amazing save against Bayern Munich when he gets down low to his right, and it's like, well, well done. But I'm sure Ben Hamer's managed to do that at some point, and I'm sure, you know, Jonas Lossel. I don't know why I'm picking on Huddersfield there, probably because they can see the six of the weekend. But you see those sorts of clips. But there weren't many of them because he is was an unknown quantity. There wasn't a bigger, a, a vast body of work to choose from. It's always dangerous to judge players on that basis in terms of you know just just highlights and YouTube compilations and little what used to be vines on Twitter. But at the same time as well, now I think the recruitment at Liverpool has got a lot of good grace compared to when they brought Carrius in, and I think that's a big change as well. I think. When Carius came in, it was for five million pounds, and it, it was, was less than that. Wasn't it was four point two, I think it was oh, actually. Was it four point seven? It was. It we'll was in the middle. 4. Yeah. 7, yeah, yeah. And ultimately, what happened there was there was a release clause in his contract that they, they utilised. He was probably a 15, 20 million pound goalkeeper, maybe in terms of he was he was the second best in the Bundesliga the season before. But you know, it still felt like a gamble. It still felt like a almost like a bit of a, a, a cheap solution to a mm. long-standing problem. Whereas with Allison. I mean, they're not spending £65 million on a player if they're not absolutely 100% all in on this guy. Well, whilst I agree, I agree though, and I, I, do, I agree with every point you made, and I'm not sitting here writing Alisson off. Uh, I'm just saying that I think we need to give him time and we need to not hype up 
routine yeah. saves yeah, like yeah, they're, they're absolutely brilliant and you know we we know they're all out your ear but we know you're you feel probably the same as i do with alison on fabinho but have liverpool's recruitment team not earned the the right to be given for him to be given time I think the sorry, Kristen. <laughs> but, but it's true. And he I, 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 he said the F word. Yeah, no, but, it, <laughs> but it's it's difficult, isn't it? And I, and I see a lot of hype, and you you read on social media, and because we pretty much work on social media. Is now. there really that much hype about Alison? I see. Yeah, oh, I think there yeah, is. Think Today, so. it's an absolute. Yeah. All, yeah. all I would all I would say to just to add to further what I said before, the reason partly it's, it's to do with the, you know, the the background we've had with goalkeepers in the last 10, 15 years, but also the nature of of last night's fixture, Crystal Palace away. I think we always we always yes, knew you know, true, his yeah. first away game is going to be tougher than a home match against West Ham, but Palace away is one of those kind of games where you know you're going to be under pressure. There's going to be a lot of balls in the air. Selhurst Park is a ground where they, you know, they, they know that um, set pieces and <coughs> putting pressure on supposedly better opposition <coughs> is often their main route to success. And <coughs> you know, as always, they, they created a fair bit of atmosphere there last night. But Liverpool withstood it. And one thing I always think is so crucial in, that, in those kind of situations is. And we we saw this, you know, in Man United's performance on, on Sunday. Don't give them the chance to get up yeah. for things. Don't give them daft free kicks, daft throw ins, the opportunity to get up to miss it before they've even done done anything. And that's where I thought Liverpool were really good last night. They didn't make any silly mistakes, any daft slices out for throw ins or corners that would unnecessarily have increased the pressure that they were under. And they were under pressure at times, but they they withstood it really, you know, quite quite well. One, last, I was going. Sorry, Joe. One thing I did like about Alison and and is is where it sort of does contradict our feel before about the punch. But I do like a goalkeeper who, if he's going to come, come and don't. You know, like you need to know what he's going to do. And I think with Mignolet, that was always an issue because Mignolet would sort of. You could see that he, he wanted to come for things, but he wasn't didn't quite he's back been himself. Trained wasn't yeah, ultimately yeah. to be something that he Where, wasn't. Whereas when Alison came and that punch last night, which I've just criticised him for, I also think, well, as long as his defenders get to know him and realise we've got a goalkeeper who comes for things here, he'll start winning more and more of them. Look, it might just take a bit of time for him to settle in. I, I, I'm not, don't want this to turn into the Joe Rimmer criticises <laughs> Alison podcast, but I, I do think, has. let's see, uh, <laughs> That's I do the think, title. We, <laughs> bring back David James, says Rimmer. Yeah, we don't get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a bad shot, would it? Say what, he did oh, a good job on the front. left wing, so why not? <laughs> I think what you've got to look at is last season corresponding fixtures, though, and this is where a bit of the excitement comes from. You know, last season it was Liverpool 4, West Ham 1, Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 2. Liverpool have matched the, yeah, yeah. the goal scoring output there, six goals, but the two's become a are zero. You, are you really excited by that? I'm not, but there are plenty <laughs> of people. <laughs> One, two names, three words, Virgil van Dijk, that's why. Yes. Well, well, before we go on to no, we did play in both of those before games, we go on to yeah, no, that's not <laughs> while, while we are talking about the goalkeepers obviously Loris Karius looks like he's not going to be at Liverpool for at least a couple of years going to Besiktas is this what was always inevitable that was going to happen after what happened in Kiev or is it a little bit does it make you feel a bit sad? It w- it was inevitable, and then it wasn't inevitable, and now it just feels all so inevitable. You know, <laughs> thank it, you for that. <laughs> Inside, okay, okay. <laughs> no. So, so the night of the Champions League final, I think a lot of people turned to to the friends or sent texts and went, "That's the end of Loris Karius's Liverpool career." And then Jurgen Klopp was making noises, and and, and the club in general saying, "I'm just going to stand by him. Like he's, he's he's even if it's a number one or number two He's going to stand by him and he's going to keep him at the club. And then what happened was that he came back, he had that awful mistake against Tramia. I think I wouldn't want to speculate, but I'm going to anyway in the sense that I think he's come back and he's clearly not 
his head's not in the right place. He's probably not necessarily come back as... I think Klopp might have had this idea, Klopp and his coaching staff, that he'd come back and he'd be refreshed and he'd be ready to go. And I think he's probably just scarred from what happened yeah. in Kiev. The concussion situation didn't help as well in terms of he's obviously gone over in California on his holiday to get diagnosed with concussion. I mean, it's just followed him absolutely everywhere. That can mess with a player's psyche, like, absolutely. So I think what's happened there, he's got back... Then you got the Danny Ward thing where Danny Ward was number one for about twenty four hours. <laughs> Six <laughs> days. <laughs> then you've got then you've got Allison who becomes available. Then you've got Loris Carius shortly after the signing of Allison saying things like, Well, I'm not really you know, I'm not really sure about my future because I think he's realised then well I, I I am very much number two, but this is not a number two with a chance of getting a number one shirt again because if you're number two to Danny Ward, for example, you're probably backing yourself yeah, to, yeah. to to, to get that number one shirt again if you're number two to Allison, it's not happening which is one of the reasons why obviously Danny Ward was more than happy to move to Leicester so it's That's not worked out very well for him though has it, it hasn't because I think they thought Schmeichel was going to, to Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. or Rome um, oh yeah exactly mm. so but ultimately what this all means is that it's left Loris Carius as a number two Mignolet as a surplus of requirements and then for success we're not willing to pay Liverpool the money for for Simon Mignolet, Besiktas have then gone back and said, "But well, what about this lad? And I think Liverpool have realised, well, we can't have Karius and Mignolet. And although Karius was our ideal number two in their mind, it's time to, to cut ties. Well, well Mignolet is obviously seen now as the ideal number two because of the way he's well, he has returned to. Uh, from the World Cup. And he's obviously been second, third choice. And now uh, his, his professionalism, hasn't it? has been... Liverpool have been quite happy with the way that he's been impressed with that. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I, no one no can ever doubt Simon Mignolet. Particularly second half of last season yeah. when he'd been left out for Caris and he was, yeah, all the all the noises coming out was that he's so positive, so supportive. Now, but I think we all kind of felt well, fair play to the lad. But he did, yeah, you know, he's 30, 31. 30, yeah, 30. Yeah, so he probably did, you know, you would imagine conversations will be going on behind closed doors if the Caris deal goes through as we all expect it to. That this, you know, t- along the lines of we didn't really expect it to play out like this we really appreciate your professionalism we we we, we will try and sort something for you maybe in january or in the summer but if you can keep on being prepared because you, you never know Allison could turn an ankle in training tomorrow and be out for four months do you think and all, it, and think all of a sudden many others on the team do you think he'll be expecting to be the champions league goalkeeper this season uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Feel sorry for uh, Alison and his social media manager. That hashtag AB1. <laughs> you know, just had a three they, on the end thought, of it and you'd be sound. Yeah, no, but it's not they, hard. They, they were hanging out for that way, holding out, thinking, oh, hopefully Caris goes now, get the one, AB1. And then he went to 13, and now he could have had it all along. What I will say about Caris as well is. If he's going to be six, that's to clear his head. That's a pretty intense atmosphere. If he's got a play, yeah, they I spat on Ian Doyle. They did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're all bad. Good guys. But you know, sp- I would like to point out they didn't spit. Was that the two-one Gerard game? No, no, no. The two-one Gerard game was in their old ground, which was the loudest I've ever ever experienced at a football game. There was only about twenty-two thousand. Only on the telly that was the loudest game. It was just insane. The second one was with the the Dayan Lovren penalty. Oh, in the Europa League, and the we thought it was raining, and it turns out that it wasn't. So, I mean, if 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 Carius is gonna is gonna be scared off by a Dua Lipa concert, I mean, he's got absolutely no hope, has he? But 
you know, it's you, you hope for his sake that he doesn't throw one in against Galatasaray or, or you know. Don't say that. Well, no, I'm just with power of positive thinking. No, 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 no that's what I'm saying. I'm off. saying you, you hope you hope that he doesn't, and 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 this is his way to. to this, and really. it, I, I so do I. And but this is his way to rebuild. I, you know, I, I I'm a firm believer. I thought the way Carius was treated. Um, over the summer by some fans was disgusting I thought the, the death threats were bang out of order of course they are that goes about <laughs> did you saying. think that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bang out more yeah, yeah. more news next more week more exciting <laughs> <laughs> not to be encouraged <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think death threats are bad says could you, could you write a comment on that <laughs> so you know the way he was treated was disgusting I think you know the, the, the general reaction to what were obviously honest and genuine mistakes were were, were bang out of order as well he, I think it was inevitable, Doyley, because I think he needed to. He needed to leave. I said that a couple. You know, I've said that for the past month. I think I, I think the optimum situation from my vantage point with Liverpool's goalkeeper situation was was Mignolet going to be number one somewhere, Cadius going on loan somewhere, and Liverpool bringing in number two. That's not quite happened that way, but I think the most important component, both for Liverpool and for Cadius' sake, has happened, and you know, I'm more than happy with that. Joe, it turns out that his performance as a substitute in the friendly against Torino where he got an excellent reception Karras that's almost like it was his goodbye now doesn't it Did yeah. it feel as there was a certain sense of closure for him there I'm glad he had yeah. that yeah. yeah I'm glad he had that too I, I think I think Christian's absolutely spot on I think he Stop just needs to him. go it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah. this doesn't help yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he needs to go somewhere well I'm not sure I agree on that, that, that death threat show you know, <laughs> not all death threats are bad yeah. no that's a joke that's a joke um, <laughs> before we get sued <laughs> um, yeah no um, I think I think he, he just needs I don't know I, yeah, I don't know whether Besiktas is the right place to go and clear your head but I do think he needs to get away and as far away as possible from the Premier League and, and just try and take his quite far happened. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, feel, sorry. feel sorry for Simon Mignolet I think great servant clearly a good guy clearly you know a great pro in, in, in terms of the way he trains and the way he prepares himself and I feel sorry for him that he's he's going to have to spend another six months at least um, as backup and uh, I hope Liverpool perhaps get that situation sorted in January so he can go out and be a number one somewhere because he deserves it The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, we touched on Virgil van Dijk just briefly before, but, you know, he was excellent. I think Christian Benteke, by the time he got substituted in the second half, he didn't have a great game, but he looked totally disillusioned. And he, I wouldn't say he looked happy to be off the pitch because he didn't seem very happy to be taken off. But you can imagine by the time he got off, he was like, well, thank God that's over. And it just seemed that, you know, van Dijk, he makes everybody else look better. You, you've seen him alongside Matip. You've seen him alongside Lovren. They both improved. He's, this is only a second competitive game alongside Joe Gomez. And Gomez play, played probably his best ever game for Liverpool. He makes his defensive partners look better and his opposition strikers look a hell of a lot worse than they are. He's... I can't... I, I mean, I was... I thought when they signed him, they've signed a player there. But I cannot believe how good Virgil van Dijk is. He's, he's taken me by surprise just how quickly he adapted. It feels like he was just absolutely ready-made for that Liverpool shirt. And after six months... He had that obviously that slight dodgy game against Swansea, believe, and then that was just because he was trying to control, a, a, you know, a, a I situation. Don't was, I don't think he was that dodgy in that game. Anyway. He, he, he probably he missed he missed time his header, didn't he? But I think he was probably a bit too eager because he was just trying to impress. The West Brom game wasn't great. That aside, I mean, I can't really think of many mistakes. He he hardly puts a foot out of place. He's quick. He's strong. He reads the game. I think it was Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville said the best on on Monday Night Football. In terms of you look at what a good centre back has, and you you have a tick list of four or five attributes, and most good ones have 
free, you know, and but he's lacking this or he's lacking that. Van Dijk isn't lacking anything, and he is, without a doubt, in the top five centre backs in the world at the moment. Mm. He could become top three, and he could almost become number one. He's still only twenty-seven. Liverpool regard. I think it's because we're studying the Champions League. They regard the age of twenty six, twenty seven as peak years for for defenders. That's what that's what the that's when they expect them to be hitting their peak, um, and that was the sort of the average age of a centre back in the Champions League last season. So, you know, he is at his peak now for Liverpool. It's a shame that he didn't get him six months earlier because I think they would have got closer to City. Um, but I said in the summer he was the he was almost the player I was most excited about, and I stand by that because he's. He just has transformed that defence, and I'm sure that there's a meltdown in uh, Tottenham or Chelsea in coming somewhere. But I, uh, there's, there's absolutely nothing to. You're just trying to kill off all of the players. I'm just trying to kill all hope. Though <laughs> um, it'll just hurt in the end. No, but it's it's one of those where he is a player who is worth every penny and more of the 75 million that Liverpool paid for, which is astonishing. Dan, I was speaking to some people at the game last night and they were talking about Van Dijk beforehand and basically saying you saw him at Celtic and you saw him, saw him at Southampton and the criticism was that he always looked like he was taking it easy. They well, was a little bit laid back but it now transpires. The reason he was doing that is because it was dead easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's interesting you say that because an old friend of mine who does you know, the Celtic aficionado and he made the point when we signed him, like, he is good, he's going to be a good, good buy for you but he can sometimes just be that little bit too casual, that little bit too lackadaisical. I remember the time thinking, well, yeah, that's you know part of it will be you know, you're playing for Celtic. Clearly, he's a player of international ability. <clears throat> I think another part of it as well will just be experience, maturity. How old is he now? Twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Massive part of Christian's point, though. Exactly, yeah. You're not listening. Sorry. Where where were you? I'm here. I was in the zone. (laughs) Um, It's all right. No one's listening at home either. (laughs) No, but the the point is that when he would, when he were, when he was at Celtic, he would have been of you know early to mid twenties, and I think those years of playing at the top level and, and probably learning the hard way at times when he's probably sure he has had a couple of dodgy games and given goals away and been given down the bank from coaches or players or fans or whatever afterwards the thing that strikes me more than anything else and as it has done since the first time I've seen him in a red shirt the FA Cup third round tie against Everton on the first Friday in January he's a leader and even, even that first game against Everton when he, 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 he less than a week after he signed on the dotted line for Liverpool he was already directing proceedings from the back and you know, we, we used the word authority just before when we were talking about the goalkeeper but certain players just have an authority a presence that others around them respond to and he clearly has that and and you know his impact on this team i don't think can be you know overestimated since since he's been at the club he has been an absolute revelation and you know nothing against jordan henderson or, or james milner i've always kind of thought you need captains all over the pitch but i don't think anyone will be too surprised if at some point in the near to middle future he isn't wearing that armband I mean, and hopefully some trophies joe you're a you're a fan of authority do you agree with with Dan's point, <laughs> and uh, Busy. yeah, and and that authority. Does it seem as though he's been at Liverpool for a lot longer than what is it, eight months? Sorry, what was Dan's point? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I, I, he, he's an absolute supreme. Su- by the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a supreme footballer. He's on his phone. <laughs> Not even joking. It's on his phone. Yeah, he is yeah. twenty-seven. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Joe. He's an absolute supreme footballer. He's brilliant. Um, love watching him play. I think. Yeah, you're, you're right. It feels like he's he's been at Liverpool a lot longer than, than he has. And I think you only have to look at the effect he had on Joe Gomez last night. The way he spoke to him throughout the game, the way he constantly had that back line pushing up when they needed to. 
he, he took command of every situation they were, they were in the box. I think a big part of Alisson's success at Liverpool, if he is to be successful, will be down to his his understanding with Van Dijk. And um, Van Dijk will make that easier for him because he, he did sort him. And I think Carriers for, for the the mistakes he made in the Champions League final before that had improved because of Van Dijk. I'd agree, yeah. Um, and if you go back and watch go back and watch the header that Van Dijk won leading to the second goal last night it's an outstanding header and um, he'd, he'd won the header before that to put it out for the corner and then went and dealt with that situation it, it was brilliant 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 play and I'm just a huge fan of him I think he's a great player Christian how old is Virgil van Dijk? I hope he's 27 he is he I? is yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote that before so I know can we do a separate <laughs> pod please on uh, Christian Benteke the downfall uh, if you want uh, on my own he had a peak a monopod he had a peak Benteke moment didn't he last night where they played a long ball out he had a great touch shifted it onto his right foot <laughs> yeah, no, and then bent a shot into the moon didn't he <laughs> 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 so unbelievable he didn't he used to be that pod <laughs> no he remember didn't. when he, he was playing for Aston Villa and every t- season he played against Liverpool he ripped Absolutely them apart yeah. there was one game when Villa won the 3-1 at Anfield yeah. and I remember him kind of running through and it he brushed Joe Allen off like a piece of lint. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Martin right. Skirtle as well. Didn't have yeah. a lot of time for him. Martin Skirtle used to be terrified of him. Have you ever seen... Have you seen Space Jam? It's gone downhill fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're revealing a bit too much about yourself here, Christian. Have you seen Space Jam? I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've seen Space Jam, yeah. How could you not have seen Space <laughs> I Jam? I will have seen it when I was little. Yeah. 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 yeah, so do you know like how the monsters take all the, 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 the ability out of the... The sorry? The monsters... Take no. all the ability. Dan, if you're not listening now, I don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> they take all the ability yeah, out of the basketball players, don't they? And then they become all limp and, and rubbish at the jobs. So that's what's happened to Ben Seche. There's, there's like an intergalactic alien somewhere who can head the ball really well and hold it up. And all of a sudden, you've just got this shell of Christian Ben Seche. Um, it's called cool work, it's cool working with Roy Hodgson, possibly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah there should we move on? <laughs> Just watch Space Jam. Hi, Roy. Just watch Space Jam. <laughs> if you're listening at home, go watch Space Jam. Just watch Space Jam. Right, we're going to go back to the other F word, Fabinho. He wasn't on the bench, which I know some eyebrows were raised, Joe. But does this in some way underline, this is something that's going to be happening quite a lot for Liverpool, or, or they will hope that it's happening quite a lot, because he wasn't the only one that missed out. Klein wasn't on the bench either. Mm-hmm. Solanke was in the crowd, you know... Th- I mean, we haven't even mentioned Origi and what was going to happen to him over the next couple of weeks. I don't know, but they've got the strength in depth. And while you know, as our former colleague Andrew Kelly would always say, these kind of things even themselves out. It, the squad deals with itself. The fixtures take players away. They're all going to be needed, but there are going to be times where you're going to get these top players, like forty million pound player, not involved after just two games, and he's not injured, and yet no one's really complaining about it or worried about it because Liverpool are in a position now where they've got that strength where they've got the players already in the squad where they can just go well actually it's just down to selection there are players there who've been there either long enough or you know have got the talent who can justifiably be there ahead of this player you've answered your own question haven't you really, uh, really yeah. the, the, I've got no problem with it at the end of the day I always used to get annoyed you see the United teams of the past City um, look, look at the players they left out at the weekend it if you've got the quality, then you can leave people out. You can allow them to train. You can allow them to rest. And if Fabinho needs a bit of time to adapt, then I've got absolutely no issue with him being left out for a little while. If it benefits him long term, um, no worries. No, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Where for Oxley Chamberlain? I was going to say yeah. Oxley Chamberlain and Robertson. And Robertson <coughs> Great yeah. examples. Yeah. Because it's been done. Klopp is quite happy to do that. Yeah. Maybe in the past, Liverpool 
not guilty of, but because they've spent so much money on a certain player, mm. they feel duty-bound to throw him straight in. <coughs> Robbie Keane. Yeah, <coughs> and, and play him and, and just keep on playing him, even though it's perhaps not working. But they've now, over time, with that recruitment you said before, Christian, they've got themselves into a position where they've got this squad where they can. You know, Shakiri's not... I think mm. I'm going to play about 20 minutes. This I know they've only played two games, yeah. but... Again, but those two players who've cost the, the combined about fifty-three million pounds, and they played twenty minutes between them. Even, even a player like you know, you look at Wayne Alderman, that number six role now. In in the old days, or uh, you know, in the weaker squad days, then Henderson or Fabinho would have been rushed back because you absolutely have to play them. But mm-hmm. you know, you've got a, a squad member there in Wayne Alderman who was more. Maybe I'm doing with the service there. Maybe he is a first team player. You know, he, well, he is he, at the moment. He well, he played. He was the third highest. I wrote about it this week. He was the third highest in terms of minutes played last last season, which is incredible, really. Um, you know, he played 50 times for Liverpool last season. So he's made more appearances in the entire time he's been here than any of the other players. Yeah. So it's just it, so he is an important part, but you know, it it, it is. You know, I think he's seen as a squad player more than maybe a starting eleven player. He's so versatile. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's sort of his downfall in a way. Um, but what it allows is that you've got no problem throwing in Genie Wijnaldum as the number six. It's to say to Henderson, well, you only came back from the World Cup two weeks ago, so instead of trying to rush you back and playing you there now when you're not necessarily at one hundred percent, we can wait. Likewise, Fabinho, not to say, you know, we'll throw you in now. Because even though you're not really up to the speed or, or, or in tune with the tactics that Ian Klopp wants from you you can put in Genie Wijnaldum who ultimately is a third choice number six in that squad and the depth there is, is astonishing and it needs to be because you know potentially we are looking at another another season when Liverpool will be, will be playing 60 odd matches all of you know of extreme intensity and the physical and mental drain on the players as we've seen because of the way this manager operates and how he wants his players to play if he doesn't get it right particularly in that first full season 2016-17 when the legs fell off in in January it's so important to kind of condition them right and just going back to Fabinho as well um, you know we, we're used to footballers kind of moving around a lot and, and different countries and this and that but some are going to, some are going to settle quicker than others not like I've got any kind of hidden info or secret which, which, which I don't you haven't but, so why are you here <laughs> <laughs> but but, but t- to me it makes a lot I mean, I mean he obviously had the, he had the disappointment in missing a penalty against uh, in the last friendly match against Torino didn't he but crestfallen I hear yeah that doesn't really matter does it well, it's you better doing it then than in the actual in the uh, games. Themselves. Absolutely, but I'm sure it wouldn't have been his idea. You know, particularly when you know you're a new player in new surroundings, you want you know you want to get everybody on side straight away. I've, I've you know I've no reason to assume you won't go on to go on and have a, a really good Liverpool career. But I think it makes a lot of sense that to, to allow him to bed it, bed his way into the city, the club, the overall surroundings, and it's, it's, I think it's a huge um, <coughs> tip of the hat really to Wijnaldum. That Christie made the point that he. That the manager was happy to trust him in what you know, remember Liverpool signed one Alder as an attacking midfield player. Now, obviously, his role has adapted in the time that he's been at the club, but the fact that Klopp was able to trust him in that position in a you know a game like Palace away where you know you're going to be under a lot of pressure, you're going to have a lot require a lot of tactical discipline and aggression and physicality. It was it was a big a big show of faith in one Alder last night, and I thought I thought he really kind of without painting the town red I thought he entirely justified that and particularly like the last 10 minutes when it was still 1-0 and just kind of thinking we've been good here don't let's give anything away well, he, he seems to get a, like a second wind he and, made a good tackle didn't he in the area yeah the end. he had to get yeah. that right yeah. as well especially yeah. with Oliver looking to not necessarily even it up but naturally that that's what a referee would do after giving he's a, a penalty he's a great athlete Wijnaldum he is 
I think what you get with Fabinho as well, and you won't see this until March, April, May, is a little bit like what you saw with Mane last season. He'll be fresher. Because mm. Mane missed time through suspension and injury in September, October last season, he was Liverpool's most fruitful player in terms of you know goals, assists, whatever, come March, April, May, because... He he was a little bit fresher than Salah and, and Firmino, so he was one who was who was wrecking havoc. I think what you'll see with Fabinho in a position which I think you know it's easy to sort of get tired legs and and, and and tired minds as well. You know, hopefully Liverpool are in you know the business end of things come April, either in the league or the Champions League, FA Cup, whatever. You'll have a player there who has got a little bit more left in the tank than than others. You know, so. You'd anticipate Fabinho maybe will be that little bit fresher than, say, Keita, Milner, Wijnaldum, Henderson. So, you know, that's good news as well, the fact that he's missing out here now, but it will have its benefits later on in the campaign. Well, just to finish with a quick word then on, on Keita, Joe, what did you make of his performance? You know, Again, it's only the second time most Liverpool fans have seen him. I like him. He's really bright, isn't it? I love the way he carries the ball. That turn was just out of this world. Um, the ball afterwards was even better. Yeah, I really like him. I, th- I think, strangely, I think he actually probably got marked down by most most national newspapers and and, and, and perhaps regional even, ones. Sorry, <laughs> and regional and ones. and regional <laughs> ones, maybe so. But and, and perhaps even Sky didn't focus on his performance probably as, as as much as he deserved because of one poor pass going the other way, which um, allowed Palace hit the bar. But I thought other than that, does he was very good in the first sort of twenty minutes, twenty half an hour. He was. Liverpool's main player in terms of pushing them forward and getting them up the pitch. Um, I think he'd be really handy. I think I think in terms of when Liverpool are counter-attacking away from home, his ability to get back, win the ball and then move forward with it so quickly um, will get Liverpool started on so many counter-attacks. I really do like him. He's, He's like a midfield that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. The, the, his running style, it's almost like the ball's on a string and I know that's mm-hmm. a bit cliche, but it really does feel like he he just he shuffles with the ball and he just he just runs in straight lines, but nobody can get him. Yeah. It's 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 such a bizarre thing. It's like there's this almost like little magnetic force field around him, and nobody's allowed to touch him. He won a corner, didn't he, from a, a run like that, which mm. you know he almost thought well there wasn't many options, so I'll just drive in there mm. and see what I can win, and he, he ended up winning a corner. But it could have been anything, couldn't it? He could have won a penalty if he carried on. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. I think what one thing that I would like to see him develop. I think he goes to that. Robertson ball a little bit too much. I mean, that might be instruction. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's an ob- it's obvious he, he cuts inside and then Robertson's doing the overlap. Look, if it works, it works. Keep on doing it. That's also on Robertson there to obviously get a, a bit of a better delivery and 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 make make them count. But you know, so far so good. I, I think he'll be even better when he drops deeper because that's not his natural position playing in that more of a of a ten role. I know. I know he's. I know the way Klopp set up there. You had Wijnaldum and then Milner and Keita were sorted together in two eights, but. I think it was for Keita to to bomb on a little bit more, and I think that's not necessarily his, his main role. I think you know, th- in general, we've had two good wins, six goals, clean sheets. Couldn't really have asked for much more. But it's clearly a team that's still finding its feet. There's, there's incredible attacking potential in this team, but it's going to take time for them all to kind of figure each other out. So I think the the fact that we've seen already such good signs at such an early stage, I think shows that. This is this. There's so much to look forward to this season with Liverpool. I think Navigator is going to be at the heart of a lot of it. And one last thing: Sadio Mane is one goal behind Sergio Aguero in the standings for top goal scorer. Capo Cagliari, you heard it here first, kids. Yeah. Wow, eighty to one. Capo Cagliari's to top one. scorer, by the way. Thanks. Is it? What language is that? Italian. Italian. Yeah. yeah. And on that linguistic <laughs> bombshell. 
We shall finish. Join us later this week for our latest Liverpool Blood Bread podcast where we look ahead to the game against Brighton. Cheerio.